Hi there. Thank you for choosing to listen to this sermon. We pray that God would use this as an added resource to benefit you in conjunction with you belonging to a local church near you. This sermon was preached at Central Baptist Church, Pretoria. 130 years of believers loving God, caring for one another and impacting the world. But tonight we're in 1 Corinthians chapter 9 and we'll read from verses 1 to verse 23. It is a bit of a long read so if you have your bibles please take them out and let's follow together. Verse 1 says, Am I not free? Am I not an apostle? Have I not seen our Lord? Are not you my workmanship in the Lord? If to others I am an apostle, at least I if to others I am not an apostle, at least I am to you, for you are the seal of my apostleship in the Lord. This is my defense to those who would examine me. Verse 4. Do we not have the right to eat and drink? Do we not have the right to take along a believing wife as do other as do the other apostles and the brothers of our Lord and Cephas? Or is it only Barnabas and I who have no right to refrain from working for a living? Who serves as a soldier at his own expense? Who plants a vineyard without eating of its fruit? Or who tends a flock without getting some of its milk? Do I say these things on human authority? Does not the law say the same? For it is written in the law of Moses, you shall not muzzle an ox when it treads out the grain. But is it for oxen that God is concerned? Does he not certainly speak for our sake? Is it it was written for our sake because the plowman should plow in hope and the thresher thresh in hope of sharing the crop verse 11. If we have sown spiritual things among you, is it too much if we reap material things from you? If others share this rightful claim on you, do not we even more. Nevertheless, we have not made use of this right. but we endure anything rather than put an obstacle in the way of the gospel of Christ do you not know that those who are employed in the temple service get their food from the temple and those who serve at the altar share in the sacrificial offerings in the same way the lord commanded that those who proclaim the gospel shall get their living from the gospel but i have made no use of any of these rights Nor am I writing these things to secure any such provision for I would rather die than have anyone deprive me of my ground for boasting verse 16 for if I preach the gospel that gives me no ground for boasting for necessity is laid upon me woe to me if I do not preach the gospel For if I do this for my own will I have a reward but if I but if not of my own will I am still entrusted with a stewardship what then is my reward that in my preaching I may present the gospel free of charge as so as not to make full use of my right in the gospel for though I am free from all I have made myself a servant to all that I might win more of them to the Jew I became a Jew in order to win the Jews to those under the law I became as one under the law though not being myself under the law that I might win those under the law of us 21 to those outside the law I became as one outside the law not being outside the law of God but under the law of Christ that I might win those outside the law 
To those, sorry, to the weak I became weak, that I might win the weak. I have, be, I have become all things to all people, that by all means I might save some. I do it all for the sake of the gospel, that my share with them, that I may share with them in its blessing. So God, tonight we, we do pray that even as I preach tonight, that it will be you who speaks through me. Lord, I do pray as we all gather here tonight that we didn't sing the words of those songs, Lord, with empty hearts and no meaning. Lord, tonight we, we said we are coming back to the heart of worship where it's all about you. Lord, tonight we said I have decided to follow Jesus. Tonight we said through the songs that we have sung that I surrender all. God, I pray this tonight that even as we listen to your word, we would listen with that attitude. That whatever it is that you want us to change, that we would change. And wherever it is you want us to go, God, we will go. So even as I preach, Lord, I pray that I preach with clarity. I pray that your spirit would guard my words, that I do not speak in error. But Lord, most of all, we pray for your blessing. That this would be a fruitful time of fellowship under the preaching of your word. For this we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So Paul, last week, he, he warned us that knowledge puffs up, but love builds up. He said he was not willing to eat meat again if eating meat would be at the cost of his brother's soul. He then warned, and he said, but take care, in verse 9 of chapter 9, he said, but take care that this right of yours... This freedom that you have in Christ does not somehow become a stumbling block to the weak. So Paul was willing to lay aside his freedoms in Christ, those things that are lawful but not upbuilding for the sake of the weaker brothers in the faith. Tonight's challenge is simple. What are you willing to give up for the sake of the gospel? What are you willing to give up for the sake of the gospel? Now, before I forget it, as I was sitting there and I was singing, I remembered something. My, my, my title is Withholding Nothing for the Sake of the Gospel. My challenge statement is, what are you willing to surrender for the sake of the gospel? The reality is, the things that we have, we did not even receive them on our own accord. It is the mercy of God. The same things that the Apostle Paul is saying he's willing to give up, he didn't even work for them. God gave them to him. And yet the Apostle Paul is saying it is these very same things that we are using to put an obstacle in front of others who want to come to Christ. So the question then is, what are you willing to surrender that God has given to you for the sake of the gospel? Now, as I was typing, I, I thought of the show Survivor. Who has watched Survivor? They go on an island and they do crazy things. Now, I don't get people who participate in Survivor. They leave their homes unprovoked to live in a jungle, intentionally living like a homeless person. 
They decide to go on an island to eat bugs, to be eaten by bugs, to lose lots of weight, to just have a thread of your clothes left, to get cold, to get extremely hot, to have people on an island who are intentionally looking to sabotage you. They are working so hard to get you to lose your mind and nothing is off limits. They do this intentionally. Nobody forced them. The people who participate in Survivor, they are willing to surrender it all. They are willing to give it all up for the sake of $2 million. It's not enough for me. <laughs> in the minds of the participants, the sacrifice, the sacrifice fits the reward. In their minds, giving everything up for a few months and all the sabotage and all the weight loss and all the sickness is worth $2 million. How much more we who have an eternal reward? How about we who possess the word of truth, which is able to make us wise unto salvation? Shouldn't we be willing to put all things aside for the sake of the gospel with the greatest reward in the world up for offer? Those words, well done, my good and faithful servant. The first thing I'd like us to consider tonight is the apostle surrenders his rights for the sake of the gospel. He asks a series of questions. Am I not free? Am I not an apostle? Have I, have I not seen Jesus Christ? Are not you my workmanship in the Lord? It seems as though Paul felt that the church would think that this was a top-down command to give up rights whilst he enjoyed the benefits of his freedoms. And it seems as though when he wrote this, it's almost like he's thinking of some of the mini- of not even some, most of the ministers in our country who are like at the top saying, yeah, vote for us and we'll give you better living whilst they live in paneled houses and people live in shacks. It seems almost as though Paul, Paul is thinking that the church is saying, hey, we are giving up our rights. What have you given up? He's basically saying here that church, we are all in this together. In fact, if anyone was giving up more, the apostle was giving up more. We see this in the answers to the, rhetor- to the rhetorical questions he asks. He says, am I not free? Yes, he is free. Yes, he is an apostle. Yes, he saw the resurrected Christ. Yes, the church at Corinth was the fruit of his gospel ministry. Church at Corinth, the Apostle Paul would say, if you want to check my credentials, well, there they are. They match the credentials given in Acts chapter 1 when the disciples are looking for a replacement for Judas Iscariot and they choose Matthias. The Apostle Paul says, hey, I match all those, all that criteria. And he says, now that I check out as an apostle, he says in verse 3, examine me. Listen to what I have surrendered for the sake of the gospel. It was not just meat offered to idols, but I have given up more freedoms that the gospel of Christ might not be hindered. Consider verses 4 to 6. He says, Do we not have the rights to eat and drink? Do we not have the rights to take along a believing wife? as do the other apostles and the brothers of the Lord Jesus and Cephas? Or is it only Barnabas and I who have no right to, to refrain from working for a living? Paul starts his defense with questions about his apostolic rights. Firstly, he asks, should he and Barnabas 
not receive food and drink from the church budget at Corinth. The second thing he asks is if, if he does not have just as much right to be accompanied by a wife as the other apostles did, as the brothers of the Lord did, as well as Peter. He asks, do I, don't I have the right to find a believing wife who will constantly be by my side in ministry and support me and you support us as we serve you? And then he says, or is it only given to Barnabas and I to go and find circular jobs and sustain ourselves whilst we serve you with the gospel? He answers these questions himself with a list of rhetorical, of, with a list of illustrations. See from verse 7, he starts with the soldier. He says, who serves as a soldier at his own expense? So he literally starts by saying, think of the soldier. He enlists to the army, he gets ex- accepted, but he is not expected to bring his own gun. <laughs> He is not expected to bring with him his own uniform or find his own place to stay. We can even argue that when the soldier is on the field, he doesn't even have to worry about what he will eat, for what he eats and drinks will be catered for. Or what about the farmer, he says in verse 7? Who plants a vineyard without eating any of its fruit? So he says, think about the farmer. He doesn't have to go to food lover's market to go buy his fruit and veg. For from his own produce, he provides for himself and for his family. Well, what about the herder? In verse 7 again, or who tends a flock without getting some of the milk? Well, think about the herder. He needs not to go to the grocery store to buy a bottle of milk when he herds the cows. What does the Bible say? Well, verse 8 to 12, it says, Do I say these things on human authority? Does not the law say the same? For it is written in the law of Moses, You shall not muzzle an ox when it treads out the grain. It is for oxen, or is it for oxen that God is concerned? Does he not certainly speak for our, for our sake? It was written for our sake, because the plowman should plow in hope, and the thresher thresh in hope of sharing the crop. If we have sown spiritual things among you, it is, is it too much if we reap material things from you? If others share this rightful claim on you, do, we, do not we even more? So he says, think about the Bible. Within the Bible, we have the words of God to the nation Israel. God said, do not hinder an ox from eating the grain that he is treading. He says, the ox's reward is that he can freely eat from the grain that he is treading. So do not hinder it. But was God really talking about an ox? No, God was referring to those he has called to full-time ministry. He's saying, do not starve them. They must eat from where they are ministering. So as they feed and tend to your soul, you too should feed and tend their material needs. What about the priest, verse 13 to 14? Do you not know? that those who are employed in the the temple service get their food from the temple, and those who serve at the altar share in the sacrificial offerings. In the same way, the Lord commanded that those who proclaim the gospel should get their living by the gospel. The last example is think about the priest. 
He would eat meat from what was offered at the temple. He would eat bread from the, from the table at the temple. From the people's sacrifices, God would take care of his servants. I hope you picked up the Apostle Paul's point. As the soldier, the farmer, the herder, the ox, and the priest, he says, we as the apostles have the right to eat from the work that we do. What is the work that we do? He tells them, our work is gospel ministry, and you are our workmanship created in Christ Jesus, and so God has so determined that our livelihood would come from you. You would take care of us materially as we take care for your souls. However, and this is the point that Paul is making, we do not ask or demand this right of ours from you. He says in verse 15, but I've made no use of any of these rights, nor am I writing these things to secure any such provision. Have you ever went to, or has, have you ever had a visitor at your house and you offered them, hey, would you like some cake? And the guy says, oh, no, no, no thanks, no thanks. And then an hour later, you say, hey, would you like something to eat? Oh, no, 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 no thanks. But whilst you're sitting next to them, you can hear their stomachs go, Paul here is saying, he's saying, I'm not trying to guilt trip you and, and when you offer me, you know that envelope you offer pastors in the corners. When you offer me that envelope, I'm not going to be acting all weird. He's saying, I'm not even going to ask of that from you for I would rather die than have anyone deprive me of my ground for boasting. For if I preach the gospel, that gives me no ground for boasting, for necessity is laid upon me. Listen to these words. Woe to me if I do not preach the gospel. See, the principle of paying skilled orators or people who brought about mysteries was common practice in Corinth. All the philosophers were well paid by those who read or who heard of their work. The false apostles were charging exorbitant fees for their services. This is no different from what we have in South Africa 2022. We have seen the people of God being abused by the so-called men of God who, who look to get rich of the backs of people who are looking for God. And so we've seen a response to this. Many in the church, many believers in the church have responded by becoming skeptics of giving an offering because they've heard that the offering goes to paying the pastor's salary. Others even struggle with the concept of supporting a missionary because of what they've seen happening in our country. But what I want to remind us of, of what Paul is saying here is, Paul is saying in this passage that it is biblical that those who have given their lives for gospel ministry be supported by gospel ministry. And in instances where the, where the gospel may be hindered, they can forfeit this right from that ministry and receive support from elsewhere. For example... Though the Apostle Paul did not receive any of his wages or support from the church at Corinth, we know that he was supported by the church at Philippi. And we also know that at times the Apostle Paul became a tent maker so he wouldn't become a burden to the church. Was it more effective for the gospel if Paul should receive support than he would receive it? 
Was it more effective for the gospel if Paul should work to support himself than he would do that? What was most important to Paul was that the gospel is not hindered in any way. Paul would happily, happily give up this right of his that souls be saved. He would happily give up this right of his if it would hinder effective gospel ministry. So church, when I asked you last week to not eat meat or to rather pass on the meat if it was going to offend a brother or don't have that glass of wine or don't wear those stilettos or don't come without a tie, if it will cause a brother to stumble, Paul is saying we should be able to lay, to sacrifice these things for the sake of the gospel. He says, man, if, if this will help with gospel ministry, surely I will do it. So he says to the church, church, I'm writing from a position of sacrifice myself. He says, you are not supporting me financially because you are the weaker brother in this instance. As I called you in chapter 8, that you should consider the weaker brother and therefore don't eat meat if it will cause them to stumble. In the case between me and you, you were the weaker brother and therefore I asked you for not even a cent because it would have hindered the gospel. Dear pastor, missionary or person who aspires to go into the ministry hear these words from Alistair Begg he says let's be very clear nobody pays us to preach no one pays us to preach they could never pay us enough they could never pay us too little in other words, I am not dependent on you for the, proclam- for the proclaiming of the riches of God's glorious grace. And when that is an endemic in a life, in a life, when that is at the core, when that runs up in the middle of a man's ministry, it is a tremendous freeing factor. Because it saves us then from always looking over our shoulders, agonizing over what another, another may be getting or doing or receiving or whatever it may be. And Paul, in his own circumstances, chooses to cut the umbilical cord between that financial dimension and his own exercise of gospel preaching. If you are considering the ministry, do not do it because you have no other option. If you are going to preach God's word, do not stand behind the pulpit because you are able to write down words on paper and merely say them to people. Do not stand from the pulpit because you're a good educator. Do not stand before the pulpit because you're an entertainer. Listen to the words of Spurgeon. He says, now observe, brethren, if I or you or any of us or all of us shall have spent our lives merely in amusing men or educating men or moralizing men when we shall come to give an account at that last great day we shall be in a very sorry condition and we shall have but a very sorry record to render for of what avail is it to a man to be educated when he comes to be damned 
Or what service will it be to him to have been amused when the trumpet sounds and the heaven and earth are shaking and the pits open wide her jaws of fire and swallow up the soul unsaved? Or what avail even to have moralized a man if he, if, if he is on the left hand of the judge or if still depart you cursed shall be his portion? O minister, recognize that you must participate in gospel ministry because God has set a great flame in your heart that compels you to preach the gospel. You want to go to the ends of the earth because the love of God constrains you. You have to reach those who are lost without hope because you understand that you are an ambassador of Christ. You are so persuaded by the gospel that you even plead with God God, here I am. Send me. I surrender all to you, withholding nothing. To close this point, a preacher says, at some time or another, every preacher whom the Lord has called will realize that he is under God's compulsion. It is not that God's calling cannot be ignored, neglected, or snubbed, but it cannot be changed. The man who resists God's call or tries to give it up like Jeremiah experiences a burning fire shut up in his bones until he obeys. He has no choice. So finally, my second and last point. Though free... Live as slaves for the sake of the gospel. Though free, live as slaves for the sake of the gospel. Verse 17. For if I do this on my own will, I have a reward. But if not on my own will, I am still entrusted with the stewardship. What then is my reward? That in my preaching I may present the gospel free of charge so as not to make full use of my rights in the gospel. See, Paul is basically saying here that the best payment he could receive in this instance was no payment. He was a man acting under orders. God had entrusted him with a responsibility which he must be faithful, whether he benefits from it materially or not. Paul's reward was not money, but privilege. The privilege to preach the gospel. He wants the church to know that when it comes to gospel ministry, he had no ulterior motives. Remember what he said in chapter 2. I wasn't intending to look smart among you, so I did not use lofty speech or wisdom. And now he says, I'm even not even looking to get rich from you. But I want, to, to re, I want you to receive the greatest gift you'll ever receive, and that is eternal life in Christ Jesus, crucified, risen, and coming again. So to achieve this, what did I do? Though I am free from all, I have made myself a servant to all, that I might win more of them. He went as far as, consider verse 20, To the Jews, I became as a Jew in order to win the Jews. To those under the law, I became as one under the law 
though not being under not being myself under the law that I might win those under the law. Verse 21. To those outside the law, I became as one outside the law. Not being outside the law of God, but under the law of Christ, that I might win those outside the law. To the weak, I became weak. That I might win the weak, I have become all things to all people, that by all means I might save some. I do it all for the sake of the gospel that I may share with them in its blessings. Friends, this verse has been abused. Many have read this verse and has said that this verse means that I can go to clubs. Hey, to the groovist, I will become a groovist. That's not what Paul is saying. This verse does not mean that you have to become a sangoma in order to win those who are sangomas to Christ. You don't have to compromise your faith under the disguise of Pauline adaptation. See, the adaptation that Paul is talking about here is on those matters that are lawful. It's not on matters outside the word of God. So what would Paul do? If the Jews celebrated the feast of the booths, he would celebrate it with them. Remember, he sent Timothy to go minister to them, and he even circumcised Timothy for the sake of the gospel. But on the other side, Titus was not circumcised that the gospel of Christ would not be hindered. Paul would go as far as eating kosher so that he would adapt to the Jews. What about to the weak? To the weak, he would adapt to meet them where they were. If he needed to grow hair and tie it into a ponytail like somebody we know, he would do it. (laughs) He would totally abstain from meals and holidays to which they once believed, to which they once were superstitious over. He would completely turn his back on them if needed be. To what end? See, this verse is not for the legalist to pull those who are, uh, uh, ex- who are enjoying license to come over to legalism. This verse is not for those who are over by the side of license to pull those who are legalists over to their side. This is to bring them to where Paul was and Paul was free in Christ. He gave them a disclaimer. He says, not being outside the law of God, but he is under the law of Christ. Whether to the legalist or whether to those he considers weak, he would come to both of them to bring them to where Christ is that they can enjoy these freedoms they have in Christ. Removing the yoke which is enslaving them on either end. This meant that he would not participate in anything that would be contrary to the law of Christ. Which is, what, which is what we are now in and recipients of the new covenant. So when he says he is no longer in the law, but he is now in the law of Christ, he's saying we have moved from this one covenant, we are now in the new covenant, the covenant of Christ, where we're under this covenant, we live under the law of Christ. What is this law of Christ? Galatians 6 verse 2. Bear one another's burdens and thereby fulfill the law of Christ. Do you want to fulfill the law of Christ? Love your neighbor. Essentially, that's what Paul is saying. 
If you want to find yourself fulfilling the law of Christ, bear one another's burdens, and in bearing one another's burdens, you are loving your neighbor, and in loving your neighbor, you are loving God. Today, it might mean that you might have to wear a tie at some instances. Ladies, it might mean that you'll have to wear a dress instead of pants. It might mean surrendering pork or meat at a wedding or a funeral. It might mean changing your hairstyle or not going to certain places. You get the point. Are you willing to give it all up for the sake of the gospel? Friends, we don't just have the, the example of the Apostle Paul, but we also have the example of Jesus. He emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of man, being found in human form. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every other name. Not only that, We read in the scriptures that Jesus, he feasted with the tax collectors and the sinners. He met the Samaritan woman being a Jewish man. He interacted with lepers and he healed on the Sabbath. Christ did all these for the sake of the gospel and at no point did he break the law. So when you say that he ate with tax collectors and sinners, we are not saying that he sinned. At no point did he break the law. But in every point, he pointed these people to himself as their source of life and godliness. So there are several ways which we can become all things to all people. I just have four things that we need to keep in mind. Number one, you need to know the Bible. I said it last week and I'm reminding you today. As you think about becoming all things to all people for the sake of the gospel, as you think about laying aside your rights for the sake of the gospel, one of the most important things is you are to know the word of God that you may not compromise. Number two, be kind. Simple reason, because of the fruit of the Spirit. Number three, acknowledge that people are from different cultures. I'll give you examples. Township culture is different from suburbia culture. High school culture is different from varsity culture. Varsity culture is different from work culture. Work culture, you get it. Each home has its own culture that is different from another. Not to mention we're all from different ethnicities with different ways of doing things. Acknowledge that. Number four, deal with prejudice. We all are drawn to that which is most like us. And we can easily shun anything or anyone that is different. So for Paul, it could have been easier for him to say, hey, I'm just going to be a Jew and focus on the Jews. All the Gentiles are sinners and they are in the wrong. Be aware of your own prejudice. Paul writes, I've become all things to all people for what purpose? that by all means I might save some. So tonight, what is God calling you to give up for the sake of the gospel? Remember, as I said in the beginning of this message, what God is calling you to give up, (laughs) he has given it to you anyway. 
How can you adapt that effective gospel ministry can be achieved? Where do you need to relax? (laughs) Where you have been fighting for that which is lawful but not beneficial? Or where can you tighten up that has shunned other brothers who are looking for that which is lawful and are weak? All this to say, I want to close with this comment, that as you strive towards this, conflict is unavoidable. It is inevitable. And offense is guaranteed. The message tonight is not a cheat code to a successful conflict-free life. That's not the message tonight. Because the preaching of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. Jesus warned us, don't be shocked when the world hates you because remember, it hated me first. What then is tonight's message about? The message that we preach is offensive enough to human pride and it contradicts the sin nature. So we don't have to add our behavior and our attitudes to it. Do it all for the sake of the gospel that you may share with them in its blessings. Let's pray. Lord, tonight's message was primarily to those who are believers. But Lord, I do pray that if there are those in this room who have heard this message about giving up rights for the sake of the gospel, Lord, they don't even have the right to be called children of God. I pray that you'd save those tonight. I pray that your spirit would so work in their hearts to to show them their sinfulness, that that all their sin that they've committed is against a holy God. And if they don't repent of their sins and believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, they will spend an eternity under the wrath of God deservedly. So I pray tonight that you please draw them to yourself. That God, when they come to this faith in Jesus, that they would come with a fire to share with others who this great God is. Lord, I remember the woman at the well, the Samaritan woman, so excited that she's calling people, come, come to him, come to him. Lord, may that be us. May we be those who are faithfully proclaiming Sunday to Sunday, come to him, come to him who has streams of living water. Come to him who is the way, the truth, and the life. Come to him who is the bread of life, who is the door. Come to him and believe. Turn from your sins that you may have faith in him and have it for all eternity, that you may have life, may have it in abundance. But God, as those who believe this message, Lord, this message comes with, with beautiful freedoms. And these freedoms, we have them in Christ. But God, sometimes the knowledge of these freedoms, Lord, they, they give us a big head that, Lord, that, Lord our, our ministry becomes ineffective, that, Lord, we put obstacles in the ministry that we have been called to be ambassadors of. Oh, God, I pray that you'd help us to repent from that. 
But help us to see the example of the Apostle Paul, that God, we too are willing to give it all up, all of it, for the sake of the gospel. But God, I also want to just say thank you for the ministers of the gospel in this room. Thank you for men and women who, God, you have separated for yourself, that God, you have sent for that special and gracious work of preaching Christ for all their lives. God, I pray that you'd help them to be faithful. Give them endurance. Lord, give them eyes fixed only on you. But God, also protect their hearts. Protect their hearts from the love of money. Protect their hearts from working for money. That, Lord, they too should remember that, God, we work to serve you. And, God, you will provide for our every need. But, God, even as a church, may we see the biblical principle to continue being faithful in supporting the ministry of God and the ministers of God. So work it in our hearts that, Lord, as they shepherd and care and tend to our souls, that, God, we too would care and tend to their material needs that they can focus on the gospel. This I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Going to learn a new song tonight. Uh, the cause of Christ, the chorus says this. Thank you for listening to the sermon. Find out more about Central Baptist Church at www.central.org.za.